I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not being asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cover you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with the Connacht final, Aaron, because I suppose that was a contest for a little bit longer than the one in Munster. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what were Galway thinking? You always say, like, if you're an underdog and you're winning, it's usually the losing team that might start a bit of aggro or, you know, get something like that going. Why does the winning team need to do that? They're going in five points ahead after a good performance in the first half and Johnny Heaney decides to start it on Aidan O'Shea in the, in the tunnel. Pissed him off. And, you know, all bets were off at the end of that. Yeah, um, sometimes whenever you are the underdog and things are going your way, you can tend to, to lose the run yourself a small bit. Um, and maybe that's potentially what happened. Uh, I would say, to be fair, probably given uh, the experiences in that Mayo dressing room uh, for, for big games as well, I'm fairly certain that there was going to be a few harsh words with them. They were going to come out pumped up, but I think that just added a wee bit more fuel to the fire for them. Yeah, because sometimes the, the favourites might not be up for it. Yeah. You know, indeed, you can be flat. You don't want to give them a reason to, to get up for it like I mean the, you could see Aidan O'Shea's reaction to just a penalty being awarded he had caught the ball laid it off to Ryan penalty he celebrated this like he was after scoring a goal like they were clearly f- fired up coming in, out in the second half they were and I think that's just the the mark difference in both halves was I think their their running power isn't in question um, you know it's something that we've all admired for about 10 years but they were very flat in the first half I think there were a lot of them sort of m- maybe waiting on things to happen and the likes of well it was particularly Conroy um, Walsh Comer they were playing with, with huge energy and the rest of the Galway team were feeding off it but I think just across the board in the second half it was a completely different animal uh, in Mayo like they got the running game going and they were coming in the droves from all angles um, pace and power from one end of the field to the other and it was it was a very very impressive performance for them because you're probably sitting at half time going 
you know they were burned badly particularly for the two goals were bad for for reasons one uh, Walt burned Aidan O'Shea and even Durkin couldn't get across but secondly the one down off the post like that's that's not switched on like you know it's never it's, like the game's never stopped till the ball's out of play um, and I think the Sunday game showed a bit last night like the ball came down off the post and Tommy Conroy's nearly turning the head back up the field it hasn't gone out of play he could like Walsh was literally 40 metres out whenever the ball whenever uh, Conroy's taking the shot and he's the first man in to stick it into the back of the net so that's a mental switch off from, from Mayo uh, and I'm sure that would have really annoyed them you know that they allowed stuff like that there to happen yeah. to themselves in, in- the Mayo defender's defence. Paul Conroy doesn't miss from there. Like, can we cut him a bit of slack? It's a very warm day. And you're kind of like, oh God, right, there you go. That's over the bar. And you might get a big bread of air in. And I, I, obviously it's not professional. But yeah. I, on a, I can understand potentially with Paul Conroy shooting from there. You, you probably can, but I think that's the level that they have set that you don't expect it from them. Yeah. I think from your, from your top four down, they'll take a break and they'll switch off but yeah. your, your top teams your elite teams your Mayos Dublins carries these teams no they'll not do it they'll keep going uh, they'll start well they'll play at their pace and intensity throughout they'll dictate the terms um, and I think that's what was missing definitely from them in, in the first half not that Galway got some matchups right um, they targeted some people um, and exploited them uh, but Mayo just weren't at the pitch that we expect from yeah. them yeah no that was probably it just go back to the tunnel nothing will come out of that it was only pushing and shoving like I mean there was not, there's nothing that needs to be looked into or anything like that. It's no. just that happened and it was, you know, a bit entertaining and it got Mayo fired up and that's pretty much the end of it. Give us something to talk about. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of suspensions and that there, no. Um, you could see there was an official train to, to do, to try and stop the two teams now, try and hold one team back for 20, 30 seconds or whatever. But it just got to the stage where you had a, a few too many people meeting at, at the angle where the split for both change rooms. But no, I can't see it coming. You'd be disappointed if anything did. Like, you know, it wasn't. I think we've seen a lot worse uh, happening yeah. in, in tunnels where oh, yeah. it's clear as day what was going on. Um, but that there, nah, I think Mayo will be all right. They'll have a full hand to pick from. Because Aidan O'Shea was the main one. Johnny Heaney said something to O'Shea. I've never seen Aidan O'Shea reacting as angrily as he did because Mulcairn came in then to Aidan O'Shea and Aidan O'Shea didn't care about Mulcairn. He wanted to get back after Heaney, whatever after going yeah. on there and that, that's really unusual for him because this was the one thing that we, we've seen as well from Aidan is he doesn't react to anything you no. know? And, and quite often in games you'll see maybe two or three people over pushing shoving mouthing him and he's nearly like standing looking over them as, as if they don't exist and that's actually humiliating if you're the man that's pushing and shoving <laughs> on him and that's his form so yeah whatever happened yesterday maybe he was disappointed uh, in his own performance uh, you know he, he never got into it maybe as much as, as what he liked um, or maybe it was just me or were so fl- flat um, um, or whatever whatever was said to him but anyway it worked um, you know, in terms of their whole team the turnovers he got the more he built them into the game um, it, it might be a regret for Heaney at this stage two, two other ones I want to throw at you before we kind of start doing a bit of analysis on the game is Ryan O'Donoghue's disallowed goal Scandalous. Scandalous, wasn't it? He just tur- almost turned his back to him. <laughs> My wife was sitting looking at it as well and she's why is that a free? Like what what and I kept like putting it back trying to say he's just saying he bumped him. She's like, but that's never a free now in fairness. I'll I'll co- she she plays football or she watches football, she knows she's talking, <laughs> but she couldn't understand it, neither could I. Like he just used his body, like you know, he just shaped himself that he was gonna take it on yeah. his outside. It was perfect. Like that's what you want a cute forward to do. Um so 
I can't understand it at all. Uh, and in fairness to him then, he didn't hear the whistle. Uh, the keeper didn't know that it had stopped. And a super finish from him then, yeah. real composure to, him, yeah. to put it away. Because um, he even celebrated it. Do you know? Uh, but yeah, very very disappointing. It sh- shouldn't have been disallowed at all. Um, great diagonal ball across. And he done what, like your Stevie McDonald would have done, you know, shaped his body perfectly. Give him, gives him a bit of a nudge, but it's a it's a side on side bump. Yeah, it's not. He doesn't hit him yeah. in the back at all. Like, yeah. Um, so no, it should never have been disallowed. No, I, I I agree with that. What about James Carr? Um, like I mean, that's red card material. <laughs> if you don't get tuck off for that, that's the sort of thing you'd pull a man off for uh, well, well, if, he, if he does that. There, I have a theory on this. That James Carr at that stage felt sorry for Galway. Like he he can score. Like he scored that famous goal last year against Galway. They were a well-beaten ticket at that stage. I just can't understand how that man didn't want to rattle that net. Was he taking the piss? As in, against the team I respect. I'd rattle the net here, but this is just, uh, look, I'll tap it over the bar. I, I'm maybe over thinking yeah, that okay. or having a laugh, yeah. but why would he not go for a goal there? I, I don't know. And uh, Oshin McConville and Cocoms was equally <laughs> as disgusted as you were. Um, I'd say there was an expletive about to come out of him. He couldn't believe it. All he had to do was, like, you look at Jack McCarron's goal last week, Conor McManus, show it on one hand, side foot it with the other foot in. Like, the keeper yeah. nearly at that. The keeper was waiting to be beat. Like, he was he was expecting it. He, ne- he actually shows him his right-hand side. He more or less is. He, he put it in there. Like, so... No, fr- from his perspective, he hasn't seen probably a huge pile of game time. The goal you're talking about uh, a couple of years ago down in Limerick, he'd been starting all that year. You know, he he was up to the speed of things. He maybe he was just lacking a bit of confidence going through there. Yes, he's not getting as much game time as he would like. But if he wants more game time, he has to stick that. You can't. Yeah. Like James Horn's not going to say, "Ah, uh, you know, we took pity and we were taking the hand out of him here." He's going to say, "Stick that in the back." And he gets a chance against Dublin in two or three weeks' time. He has to stick that. Yeah, Do you know, you have he, to he, prove. That you're capable exactly, of burying even that. For his own com- that you're going to back yourself to do this. Um, so uh, disappointing. Yeah, he should have should have put it away. Like Kerry, you know, didn't take any pity. You know, they were still trying to work the goals yesterday. And you know, I suppose maybe as much as we like Park Joyce or you know whatever, you have to stick that if you're trying to, to break onto a Mayo team. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's not like Gleeson is a great goalie. You probably w- he probably would have uh, buried it onto the match. Like I mean, this is you know like I mean a game of two halves let's be honest about it how it can change obviously you've mentioned Conroy Conroy was cleaning Aidan O'Shea in the first half like Aidan O'Shea wasn't tracking him like he, Aidan O'Shea was doing some good work around midfield he's a great turnover on Shane Walsh and he's getting tackles in but he wasn't marking his, he wasn't marking Conroy and Conroy was setting a lot of stuff up and you know Mayo fixed that they fixed that they put Aidan O'Shea full forward they put Cohen on on, on Conroy I'm fairly sure and they brought on the two McLaughlins Game changer. Like, I mean, those four changes were enough. And Heaney pissing O'Shea off and all the rest of them off. Done. Yeah, and in fairness, you have to give Joyce credit for the first half in terms of the matchups and yeah. putting players into space to exploit. Um, like I said, uh, Conroy, Walsh, Comer were operating in different sections. You know, if you think back to us, you know, they weren't operating as a three really, but they were exploiting whoever they were on um, massively. Uh, James Horn then completely takes over at half time all the switches work Mayo take con- complete control of the game and nullify all the main men now, I know there is a, a bit of a talking point over um, Shane Walsh getting dragged down that time and apparently he, that's why he had to come off he, he was holding the shoulder it was clear um, did, did, had to did, get a did, did the Sunday game it. show that? I, I, I they didn't did, see the they Sunday did game. show it uh, but it's not it's not clear it just I don't know because Joyce says he got dumped on, I, I'm picturing from Joyce comments almost like one of these spear tackles 
Rainer Driscoll's yeah, shoulder yeah. one. It's very hard to say because the, the camera angle that, that RT showed is from behind the goal at Hill 16. You can see something happens. It's a coming together. I think it's maybe between himself and Lee Keegan. Um, it could have been that he was trying to check Keegan's run. Keegan's trying to get him out of the way. Um, it's just very very hard to say clearly what happens, but that seemed to have an impact in Walsh, uh, in fairness. Joyce said after the game he had to get a painkiller injection at halftime. Yeah. So that would that would have nullified him, um, obviously. But the big thing that changed for Mayo is the running power got going and it come from absolutely everywhere for the duration of the second half like uh, Galway only scored three points from freeze in the second half the first I don't think um, I, can't, I can't remember it was late on uh, but him even got the first free yeah. uh, Tierney got the three of them the same sort of area rash enough tackle the first one was from Lee Keegan where it maybe wasn't necessary but Owen McLaughlin Kevin McLaughlin made a massive uh, difference huge they were yeah like just and two t- different they should be starting like why were they not starting a Connacht final well, th- that's the thing I know we're not I- watching training and all, all that but like I mean are you telling me that that young Brian Walsh that Kevin McLaughlin's not better than him as a wing forward and that McLaughlin you know shouldn't be left half back who's an outstandingly powerful runner and they love that's what their game is built on it is and I would have thought like he had a super season last season had a poor enough All-Ireland final I would have thought he was mad to get back and, and to me he's he's on their best 15 so give him as much game time as you can in Croke Park because you're going to need him in two weeks yeah. do you know um, but maybe he come on fired up he come on with a point to prove and you know Horan has him where he wants him now in terms of uh, he, he's up to the pitch of it now and he's gonna, he's made it very hard for him to, to drop him off um, but I think you have to go with your with your best 15 at this stage like again you're, you're right probably we don't know what's going on we don't know I know there was a lot of COVID issues within the camp were they maybe affected had they a bit of a, a hangover where they just didn't feel themselves um, that might potentially be something but I think whenever they come on it was two totally different performances from them in terms of Ke- uh, Owen McLaughlin was just his pace power driving up the field Kevin McLaughlin was all about brains like yeah. um, getting himself into the right place at the right time and Being if Aidan O'Shea is in at full forward Kevin McLaughlin has to start because he's, he's one of the probably few players who would pride himself on a good kick pass a lot of them like to run it yeah he, he's very much a link player um, yeah. he's, he's the outlet he plays flat across that half forward line um, where he's always the, the option for a kick instead of a, of a running game and if you're an inside forward and you see him getting the ball you're depending on which way he turns his body you know where you're going and you know you're going to get a quality ball played to your advantage to your outside um, so he does bring a totally different dimension to Mayo and for me if they want to take the, the next step and that's beating the dubs and well we assume it'll be the dub circle there in a few weeks time uh, he has to be on the starting team because he, he just offers something completely different and he doesn't shirk his, his work back he's the first man in for his break ball as well um, he's just a complete package in terms of what what your modern day wing half forward should be yeah no I completely agree so like some of the matchups we were expecting last Thursday Sean Kelly didn't pick up Aidan O'Shea they lined up beside each other in midfield it was like here we go that's an obvious one it didn't happen it was Lee Keegan Lee Keegan then was on um, on Shane Walsh and it wasn't Durkin which we thought it would be and it's funny you mentioned the goal like Aidan O'Shea passed he pointed to Durkin he says I, I'm not entertaining this fella and Durkin had two or three yards on him Durkin was very slow to, cut, to switch take, on to switch on wasn't he which he, was, he was and we laughed last week where we said if Conor McKenna's coming at you at that pace you're shouting you're a man Aidan O'Shea was shouting straight away you're yeah, a man help me help but again Durkin he looked like he was a wee bit too focused on whoever was inside of him were for me at that stage Walsh was the danger like 
if I'm think if I'm looking at that situation, I'm cutting across walls. If Walsh passes it back out to whoever Durkin was on and he kicks a point, that's fine. But there's no goal given away. Yeah. Um so he'll be disappointed in that because in fairness to Paddy again, he, he's he, a good wh- defender. He is. And while he prides he's an attacking halfback, he prides himself on what he does defensively. Um so that's something that, that they'll definitely iron out and I can't see that happening again. Yeah. James Horan said after the game, we had enough possession to be top. He's talking about the first half. We had enough possession to be leveler on top. The last pass was a bit silly at times in the first half. Uh we knew we were getting we knew we weren't a huge amount off. We just needed to tweak a few things and we got a chance to do that. And we know the tweaks. What do you think of their attitude changed a lot? And I hate to put always good performances down to an an improvement in attitude, but in the first half, they did have plenty of attacks. It's just maybe they were going in ones and twos and it was you know it, it just wasn't the, the running game which they pride themselves on just wasn't working No like you couldn't see a clear difference in the athleticism in both teams in the first half no. because like you say And they were playing was, very similar style yeah. very similar setups. Yeah, you know uh, It was ones and twos Mayor were going and whenever Mayor were on it's at least three of them driving all the time and, and they're very good at one man and nearly go ahead and there's always one man lagging behind that, that can come across at an angle where he's fixing a, a defender heading a different direction. Uh, that would have happened throughout the second half. Didn't happen in the first half. To be fair, th- that really is a mindset thing. That's, you know, you're getting into the game. You're, you're willing to make the hard runs. I don't know whether it's, uh, it was a psychological thing where the heat Croke Park being, being so big, you're maybe thinking, I don't want to gas myself out too early here and you're, you're that run that you you might make after fifty or sixty yeah, minutes, you just you just hold back. Um, but if one person's holding back on every run for Mayo, they're a different team. That's they, an option they, down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's an option down. It, it's it's someone less for Galway to worry about. Um, that that's sitting back in the defence, and it, it has a big difference from. O'Donoghue did try to play a few like wee dink balls inside over the top and that there and it just didn't come off and you could see what he was trying to do and, and he was being dangerous in his thought process um, but they just didn't hit the, hit the target yeah. um, Tommy Conroy had a poor first half too a couple of bad wides and then improved a lot in the second half too he was hesitant nearly in how he was taking on players in the first half you know he was stopping and starting as he was taking them on second half he was just going yeah. and that was it uh, he looks at times like he's maybe a wee bit off balance or he's unsure of where he's going at but I love him I, I think he's class he's completely off the cuff um, he's so direct heading towards goal uh, and he's starting to chip in off right and left foot uh, with scores so I see him as a player that's just going to keep getting better better and better he's, he's a real excitement machine for Mayo yeah exactly you see uh, the likes of Lee Keegan you see Paddy Durkin you see Oshin Mullen you see Matthew Ruan especially those four and McLaughlin, oh, McLaughlin. You're talking about fellas that can make five, six hundred metre sprints, pretty much hundred metre sprints. You're going from nearly a 21 to the other 21 and then you have to get back up into your position. They're doing that five, five times, six, six times a half along with the other kind of work that they're expected to be doing is in there as well. Like, I mean, this, those four or five players have phenomenal, phenomenal fitness levels. And I think that's where you have to really compliment Horan and, and in fairness, the managers that have gone before him for them because Paddy Durkin, like whenever this Mayo team or the previous Mayo team was going really well, getting all air in finals, as good as he was, he was the impact sub nearly for them. Um, and then Mullen, uh, Owen McLaughlin, Matthew Ruan, 
these are all new players that have come in. And Lee like, Keegan's still doing it. No, I have to, Lee Keegan looked as lean and in as good a shape as I seen him yesterday in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, he he looks like he's he's back to himself. The pace he was breaking up uh, the wings, particularly in the second half. Even whenever you thought he wasn't even going to get on the ball, he was putting the burners on and going up the field. But all of those boys are conditioned to be top class intercounty athletes at this stage, and they just bring so much to the Mayo game, and they really carry on a huge amount of what we have seen from Mayo in the 10 years previous um, and by them doing what they're doing where they don't have as many top marquee forwards maybe as your Dublin and Kerry's yeah. they just create so many opportunities because they're so hard to mark like I know if you're a defender on the opposition team and you see them coming at the pace that they're coming at it's very hard for your brain to process do I stay with my own man do I go with him where's the danger coming from here and to communicate that with those around you particularly in the surrounds of Croke Park it is very difficult um, and are the are opposition forwards are just not able to stay with these lads over the course of a game and they're grinding them down like Galway were just grinded down maybe where Galway like you see the Limerick hurlers just seem to go up a level where Tipperary got tired Galway yeah. you could see getting tired in the heat like are, are Mayo doing different training to everybody else like are they practising bloody 40, 80 metre sprints a night or I, I, I can't see it I honestly can't see it because you're into county game now everyone's sort of operating off the same template and your strength and condition coaches are all talking and they're all going to the same functions yeah. and the same seminars and that there what I think in fairness to them is success breeds success I think this next, next crop, uh, crop of players that has come through have idolised and looked up and respected to see what has gone before them um, and from what I'm led to believe a lot of them were filtered through the training system within the senior panel in Mayo long before we seen them even making match day squads let alone teams so they've become accustomed to what it takes how you prepare how you recover and they've just fitted in seamlessly like Oshin Mullen was under 20 last year and you're looking at him yesterday in Croke Park like the physical condition of him yeah. is incredible um, and his driving up the field and his composure on the ball and his ability to take other people to make the right decision and see who's the best pass now it's only a fist pass he's doing but he's still making the right decision he's giving it to someone who's then giving a dangerous pass inside or kicking the ball over the bar um, so massively impressive from them but then again, it, it's no surprise. Physically, they have been the team that has been able to go with the dubs for 70, 75 minutes. It's their score ratio and executing whenever the pressure's on from a Dublin defence yeah. with their forwards. That See, Dublin can match them physically exactly. and, you know, with that running game, they can yeah. stay with them. Yeah. That's where they come a cropper that they're probably missing that. They can blow anyone away that's not near that level. You yeah. know, they can stay with them or doesn't have the, the, the energy to stay with them or the drive or the professionalism, all those things yeah. that the, when they come up against... The willingness the, to, the willingness to, stay to, with to do them. it, yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, it's, it still will probably long-term come down to that top class forward or two that they, they are missing and as, as neutrals as much as you'd love to see them get across the lane just time will tell at the end of the day it's it's just that bit of class and craftiness up front that that's what steps the best out from the rest um, and if you're being brutally honest at this stage and you're looking at the six forwards Kerry's picking from Dublin's picking from you would see Mayo's individually um it's just that we step behind them but yeah. anything's possible with them like for how long have we thought that they're just going to fade away they're going to disappear and literally this is a brand new team you might have a few uh, people who, who have hung on like your Lee Keegan Aidan O'Shea Kevin McLaughlin these boys but it's I think somebody sent me a stat there was only three players yesterday from the 2017 All-Ireland uh, final team 
which would Jeremy O'Connor, Aidan O'Shea, and probably Lee and Keegan. Keegan probably. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, that's that is it's incredible turnover incredible. Yeah. to be back in an All Ireland semi final. And to be in the condition that they're in and playing at the level that they're playing at um, with a brand new team that are just starting out again. Like, that's, that's incredible to see that there. Too many times you think it, it takes too long to get here. It takes too long to get people in this condition. They had to have been doing something under the radar with the next crop that was coming through. Um, so that's... I well, suppose McLaughlin was cycling. Ryan Donahue was boxing. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-sport. <laughs> the, what do you call it? Dermot O'Connor was poor, but it was great to get a game, from Mayo's yeah. point of view, get a game into him and give him as an option in midfield. Like he didn't, he, geez, he made one terrible effort at a point. He tried to kick it off the ground on the, on the bounce and drove it wide. Like He's capable of doing a silly thing or two like that, but he's a huge player for Mayo that kind of gets forgotten about when he hasn't been there. He, he does, and I think the one that always stood out for me and one of his best ever performance where I think you couldn't have had anything but admiration was the Newbridge or Nowhere game where Mayo were sort of in the last legs that picked up serious injuries that year but he was incredible that day like his his effort all across the field like you've always heard about his GPS stats and the, the kilometres he clocks up in the game but that day in particular like whenever Everton was going against them and they were down in personnel he just kept carrying to fight them and he's just got he's got something that's very very likeable as a neutral to sit back and look uh and and see someone who's willing to put his body through what he what he is, but you're right. Just uh, the simple things and and as maybe use of the ball or or being a better option in a scoring position was off yesterday. But he's played little or no football um this past few months, so we'll give him that yesterday. Um, he's got a good blowout in Crow Park, and I think you'll see a different animal again. He, he thrives on the big occasion as well, so um he'll be well up for for an All Ireland semi final. Yeah, bit about it. Yeah, that'll bring him on. What about Joyce? What do you think Joyce will stay on? He seems like a very frustrated manager, and often you see like I wouldn't. Blame his tactics too much yesterday because he, he wasn't majorly defensive in any way shape like he played a very similar uh, you know game plan to Mayo try and get one lad sweeping but like no fellas dropping back uh, you know ahead of the ball it wasn't yeah. a very defensive it was more a modern type game you yeah. know where both teams are attacking with a lot of players and both teams defending with a lot of players like the collapse in the second half collapses like that I know Mayo lifted it but it, 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 like, is there a lack of belief in the panel? You know, it, it, collapses don't usually happen. Panels that are going well. I know they haven't been going well. They've won two of their last nine games in league or, league and championship. That was from the the lock the start of the lockdown. Like, I mean, do you put it down to fitness? Do you put it down to a lack of belief? Do you put it down? I don't know if you can blame Joyce too much because it had been going so well. He didn't need to change anything, yeah. you know. And then then it starts slipping away. Mayo had won one very quickly. And now it's slipping away from you and, you know, he's moving Walsh and Colmer and he put uh, Conroy maybe in the forwards and, you know, like, I mean, it's hard to change a game slipping away like that, I suppose. I hope he does stay on, um, but I do agree with you, obviously, as a player, someone I really admired and someone I'd like to see doing well with Galway as well, um, but he does look frustrated. He reminds me a wee bit of, like, Andy McEntee as well, where he, he just looks like sort of the world's problems is on his shoulders and he's gone very grey in the last yeah. uh, two years too <laughs> uh, but there's sometimes and it's very hard whenever you're stuck in that bubble but there's times where I don't think it was going as bad as what it was maybe perceived for them but I, I think maybe a bit again I mean, he puts so much pressure on himself because he's so he wants it to work so much you know for them he, he wants to 
to get Galway back to the level that he had throughout his playing career um, and I hope he does I hope he takes time to take a step back and just reflect and realise that there is raw tools for them to work with yes there's plenty obviously for them to work on um, but they, they were in an All-Ireland minor final in, in uh, 19 Um he had a good on the twenty team that, that got to the semi final as well. Um, do you know they're, they're going well at on the yeah, twenty again? They're missing yesterday. players too. Like I mean, McDade is gone. The two dailies have been out. Like they're they're three guaranteed starters and big players. Your centre back Dylan McHugh is not good enough. I don't think at that level. I, I think him just the fact he played for Corrafin is getting him on it. Like he Collar or Daly at centre back. You know, Michal Daly is as a wing forward. Tom O'Callaghan as well. I was very impressed with him at, at minor and under twenty. Um, One so or two he, of them to come in. You could yeah. be five or. Six new players, you know. So as disappointed as he will be today, um, and as frustrated as he's probably been since COVID, like COVID has hit the country bad, but has hit that Galway team bad. You know, they just haven't got going again. I think he just needs to take a step back, reassess, and and really put a stamp again on it. Um, because I, I do feel that there is the raw material there. You can see a throw in that personnel, um, as well that they can close that gap they can get back up to Division 1 um, and, and they can go I suppose more on, on the path of the trajectory that they were pre pre the first lockdown yeah. um, so Finnerty went off early too and he's a good player he, for he, them he's very good you know I like him and I think he's someone again that, that will grow into to inter-county football he has he's a finisher you know, yeah. and in terms of maybe his, his work rate um, or his physicality, you know, is something that maybe can improve them. But that can be done. Someone who can who can win their own ball and stick it over the bar off right and left foot, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot harder to coach that there, and it, t- it takes longer. Um, in terms of getting someone a bit fitter and a bit stronger, you know, the next six or nine months he can come back a different animal in in twenty twenty two. Um, so I, I'd like to I'd like to see Porrick staying on, and hopefully he will whenever he reflects back. Yeah, maybe get one more year with everybody back and kind of judge him maybe on that performance of the weekend. And this one this is easy enough. Um, we don't have time for nominations, but Matthew Ruan had to get man of the match. Um, very very clear. Like, I mean, his goal was a weird one. In no way a man should be scoring a goal from there. Like, But it was a great finish when he got in and he never gave up on it. He he lost the ball at one stage and I think that actually helped him a little bit because Galway players looked at it and went, all oh, right, he, you know, and there was players around, Silk was around and they could have doubled up and they never did and suddenly now he's through and it was a lovely composed finish by him. But he is just, he's relentless. Yeah. He is relentless in his energy and his bombing forward and midfielders... It's such an advantage to have a very attack-minded midfielder and you'll stay with him. I remember Ross Munley always said to me, like, the lad will stay with me for 50 minutes, but he won't stay with me for the entire game. You know, when you're that fit yeah. and you can make those runs non-stop, he wear anybody down. He'd yeah, make you tired looking at him. <laughs> he, he does and I think what I, what I liked about him is he ran through and it was like someone his first goal was like the 70s where he punt past the ball over the bar like it's something that yeah. you very rarely see again but his goal um, from his perspective was, was brilliant in, in terms of what you say he, he just kept going you know and even whenever it was maybe the odd unorthodox solo he just kept going again and couldn't believe his luck had opened up but he kept it low you know and I don't know how many times you see people going in and burying it at a perfect height for the goalkeeper but he kept it on the ground ended up going through his legs um, but I think from, from a Galway perspective like it, it was horrible defending in terms of he broke through two tackles the first time then two tackles the second time and then you had Dylan McHugh and Liam Silk that both could have come across to to double up or, or treble up uh, on him and none of them did so 
that wouldn't be a pretty review if Galway were meeting up this week. I think from yeah. their own perspective, they'd be lucky that they'll all head back to their clubs and it might be January before that video <laughs> is brought back up again. But yeah, let's not take away from, from what Matthew Ryan did. Um, top class performance for him. And again, someone that has really taken over a, a huge mantle in terms of what they had before um, with the work rate of your Tom Parsons, uh, Shea Mouche and these lads. Uh, he's really come in and he's fairly stamped his own authority and, yeah. and he's made number eight his own in that squad. Yeah, none of them had what he has the constant threat going forward you know that constant bombing and not being tracked and just adding an extra person to the attack he's, he's really good at that one other thing now that I've just reminded are you, are you surprised me I didn't put as much pressure on the Galway kick out because Conor Gleeson's a bag of nerves you can just see him he's a bag of nerves standing over the kick out he's ready to be done and yeah. I think I thought Mayo could have been a little bit more aggressive on that again is is that cagey? Is that a mindset? It's hard to know what teams, you know, what way they're going to really set up or how hard they're going to go. But one thing that was very noticeable was in the second half, whenever they pressed up and went man to man and made him go long, uh, there was particularly one where he drops out right in front of the tunnel on the Hogan stand side. But as soon as Mayo pressed up, went man to man and made him go long, the ball competes I can't remember who competes with Matthew Ruan but he knocks it down and I froze it at home the first four people coming in at his foot was the two Mayo half forwards in front two Mayo half backs behind breaks to Kevin McLaughlin straight into his chest turn and it's a long ball goes in for Owen McLaughlin um, who again it's a great finish in terms of low into the bottom corner and Gleeson just a manages save, to, yeah. oh, it's, a, it's a super save it's just reactive he gets his foot to it and, and puts it around the corner but um Mayo can do it anyway, you know, if if they give it to you short, they'll they don't commit right into the twenty one, they'll still set themselves, they'll take a step off, you know, still within the within the forty five metre line where they're all ready to tackle and then they'll put maximum pressure on and there's nobody gets out easy. Or if they make you go long, they are the first men to the break ball. They're turning around and heading to the sprint area. Absolutely yeah. sprinting where they're going to get the break ball or if they don't get the break ball they're going to get a piece of somebody else. There's going to be physicality put on someone. If they're going to have to be fouled they'll be fouled but they'll not be runners heading up the field unchecked that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's all coached. It's all, it's very, they're a well coached team aren't absolutely. they? Like, I mean, There's no absolutely. doubt about that. James Horn deserves a lot of credit. Matt Rowan had a good interview after the match. He had to be cut short because the Mayo crowd he, he couldn't hear Marie Crow's questions because the Mayo crowd were going mad. It actually wasn't a sellout. Are you surprised at that with the Mayo support? I was surprised to hear it wasn't a sellout. I don't know what the official attendance was, but they definitely said it wasn't It wasn't a sellout. I find it very hard to believe with, with Mayo that even they wouldn't have took 18,000 themselves uh, to, to that yeah. game. Um, you know, I, I know of a few a few Cross McGlenn or Armagh players that made, made it to the game and got themselves a ticket, so there had to be some spares uh, popping around for neutral. So, yeah, very surprising because um, whatever about maybe... I don't know how much belief there was within Galway that that they could do it, but Mayo, uh, you would have thought that you know they'll go to a game anywhere. Um, so the fact yeah. that they were, they were allowed to go, um, there was tickets there for them to go, and they didn't sell it out. Uh, it's a surprising one here. Yeah, already. maybe they were pissed off. It was Mikhail Park was taken off them or something like that. We don't know. Right, we'll leave it there on the Connacht final, and we'll come back after this, and we'll look at the Munster final. So talk about revenge. Um, they had to wait a year, Kerry did, after the kind of embarrassing loss to Cork last year. But they got the revenge anyways, Aaron. There's no doubt about that. The highest ever provincial final victory uh, by Kerry over Cork. Absolute 22 point destroyed them. So like, I mean, you know, they had to wait. They had to wait long enough. 
but they got the revenge and they got it fairly fairly convincingly. It's hard to believe that Cork knocked them out of the championship last November. Um, it's, I wouldn't say shameful, like, but it, to have the talent that they have, granted, right, through the weather into things last year and we've talked an awful lot about tactics and that there, but... Weather tactics. Weather and tactics. Yeah, it, it's just... Yesterday was a ruthless execution um, and I think what stood out for me was Sean O'Shea, um, even whenever he gets a goal, the game's over at that stage but he's coming sprinting back out, fist pumping, pointing yeah. at people as much as to say like, we owe them this, like, do yeah. you know. And he I, still I, has a nice, he, he allowed himself a smile as oh, well, he, he, even he, though he meant business. He, he, he did, but as soon as I seen him with that smile, it was the image, all that came into my head was the lashing rain and Parky Cueve pitch dark behind him and him standing with his hands in his face as much as saying has this just happened to us because they had no time to react from the goal last year um, so yeah like Cork obviously started well um, but two scores after the first water break Kerry just blitzed them from absolutely everywhere um, and it's game over game over can you believe they scored 4.22 David Clifford didn't get a point from play got one point from a free um, now he missed a goal he missed, a, he missed maybe one two that you would put your house on him getting he didn't have a good game against Cork the year before either is there something here Clifford with Cork maybe it's you, you give it the, the, the credit to Sean Meehan yesterday anyways who you know he did a brilliant job on him absolutely top class performance from him you know and I suppose what we all talk about is you need two or three men back to be covering in front yeah. of him like to have the belief in himself I suppose not even the trust the belief that he was capable of going out and doing a job um, and doing it you know, was absolutely class to see. And he's, again, he's another young fella. Um, he's really only finding his feet at that level as well. Um, but just stuck to him everywhere, made the right decisions all the time, put him under pressure whenever the time was right, showed him down uh, different avenues. Yes, there's opportunities that Clifford should have scored, like the goal opportunity while uh, Michal Martin, you know, does well to get his body in the way and to, to hold on to it. Um, I was surprised he didn't show, I know he likes to, to bury them, but I, I would have thought he would have showed a wee bit more composure just given the angle he yeah. was coming across the goal on. Um, but maybe that's a scary thing then, you know, they score 422, David Clifford doesn't score from play, he has a bad day and they're still capable of that. Yeah. Um, so it's probably a, a perfect scenario for uh, Peter Keane and, and Kerry heading into an All-Ireland semi-final in that he's not, it's not going to happen in two days in a row, uh, he'll ensure that, um, but from whoever comes out of Ulster next weekend, maybe that's another another scary prospect yeah. to look forward to. I thought he was after getting taken off, it turned out it was just a blood uh, thing because he was back on again, but yeah. I, I was trying to analyse, was that the right move to take him off or was that you know but as it turns out that was it wasn't even a talk about one thing that just on on Sean Meehan there's a lot of people's kind of have this idea in their head that to, to, to go out and mark a David Clifford you have to hit him you have to mount at him you have to pinch him you have to do all these things knock him off his game Sean Meehan just got along with his business quietly efficiently no trash talk no bullshit just marked him good and tight and none of the none of the mind games kinds. I think it was a good lesson for a lot of players who think that you know the Ricey McManaman type cornerback is the kind of future of you know how how you deal with brilliant corner forwards. You'd, a lot of the time you don't need to piss these lads off because <laughs> that can work against you. Yeah, and in fairness, you know it probably was more of your old school type defending. Um, you know where he just went out and did his job. He he had belief in himself. He trusted himself that he was capable of doing it, and that's very admirable. You know. 
it's easy to think you have to go down the other road. Um, it's probably a less classy road to head down. Um, but I think that's what really stood out for him yesterday. And I suppose I know myself particularly the suppose the team I grew up and you would have had Andy Mallon um, would have been a similar type player. I'm sure you have your, your Joe Higgins and every county. I suppose if you, if you think back the person who thrived in this one on one situation, the one on one battle, they weren't afraid of space in front of them. Granted, they wanted a wee bit of help, you know, yeah. whenever someone could get back. But you know, they weren't calling for people to come back and help you out. Someone stand in front of me, block the space for a ball coming through. Um, just your good old fashioned traditional defending, um, and, and it was great to see. Um, and yeah, you would hope that plenty more people, because there was some aspects of defending um, in both games, the Cork and Kerry and, and Mayo and Galway, where there was situations where it was all it would have taken or taken was a, a bit of just old-fashioned know-how of seeing where the danger was, cutting across um, and helping a teammate out, blocking a space whenever someone has left it that we didn't see. And, and I think that's one aspect that uh, without bringing back mass numbers uh, to help out in defence that just defenders can maybe start thinking a wee bit more old school, maybe looking at a few more old-fashioned videos. Um, and I'm only talking your 90s, 2000s um, of just seeing where danger is and, and adapting a wee bit better. Um, but in terms of a one-on-one individual contest, which Sean Meehan done yesterday I'd highly doubt that you'll see a better job done over the next few years on David Clifford Yeah I think it was Gordon Kelly who um, Clifford said was his hardest marker Clare cornerback who's retired now I think he might have to upgrade that yeah. um, after yesterday There's no doubt Brian Bugley then scores the goal he's the one that missed the goal last year in Porky Heave all these ghosts were kind of you know demons were, were banished he got the goal that set Kerry, Kerry on the way and he moved across onto um, Brian Hurley as well which is a big uh talking point in the game I, I can't believe Cork won um, when they had a Matthew Mark Luke and John on their team did you hear that in the commentary I had to laugh I thought it was a good one yeah there's only so much that uh, divine intervention can do for you uh, whenever you have Kerry Fords on, on that song the games in Clarny and the sun shining yeah. uh, there's no amount of mass there's, there's a lot to be said for a good mass but yeah, uh, no yeah. players can <laughs> save you nothing going to be done yesterday here Camille I wanted to ask you about the, the, pe- the Clifford there was a penalty late on the game now like I mean it meant nothing at that stage but this is going to be the frustrating thing so he's running through on goals Mark Collins takes him down by the neck He's it's it's a goal scoring oppor- clear goal scoring opportunity and it's just outside the penalty box and of course Desi got it arseways on the on the commentary and Jerk I'm surprised they're canning really because it's a new rule this year and they should be on top of it they, they said well it was outside the box so it wasn't a penalty completely wrong completely completely wrong like if it's if it's inside the D or the 20 and it cl- stops a clear goal scoring opportunity that should have been a black card uh, a sin bin for Collins and it should have been a penalty I was just disappointed to see that not given considering the fact that it's a new rule and our players going to look at that you know watching on television think is this rule gone you know you just it, it couldn't have been any clearer that and this was one of those examples so sometimes it's one where they're nearly too far ahead they don't need it but that's not the point if if it's there to be given you just have to give it whether there's a point in the game or 22 points in the game um, so if it's clear and obvious it's a penalty it's a black card and move on there shouldn't be any chat about it at all um, so yeah it's it, it, it was mind boggling that 
it, it didn't go ahead. Like. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I suppose, like, I mean, Desi did probably didn't have the greatest day at the office. He picked Sean O'Shea as the man of the match. And I'd say I'd say it was um, Tomas O'Shea overruled him in the studio and just went, no, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, like, he had just given the man of the match in the 72nd minute to Sean O'Shea, even though Paddy Clifford was by far clear the man of the match. And then all of a sudden they're interviewing uh, Paddy Clifford. So we don't know behind the scenes who overruled him or what, what, what happened there. Yeah, well, the only thing I, I would say from that there is generally they do leave it to the co-coms to, generally to, they do, to, yeah. to pick it. They'll, they'll, they'll say to you with a minute or two to go, just give me a quiet whisper who we're going with here. Um, so yeah, there definitely was, unless somebody who was down on pitch side and ended up picking the wrong person thought they'd Sean O'Shea. Uh, I, I don't know, but yeah, strange one. Definitely was. Uh, definitely was. Uh, Rory Dean got a red laid on. Again, you see this in low, how many times will you see this? Somebody's really pissed off, kind of a battling player, He's gone off the boil a good bit, uh, Dean, actually, but, like, I mean, just, you know, punch back. Nothing major in it. More of a really frustration at that stage. Yeah, it has to be frustration because, again, it was on Tommy Walsh and, to be fair, he's not the sort of person who's going to be trash-talking to you, uh, I wouldn't imagine, or, or trying to, to rub a scoreline into you. So, he luckily was making a wee bit of contact with him. Frustration got the better of Rory Dean and, and he lashed out. Again, you couldn't see really clear how hard a strike it was, whether yeah. it was an elbow or a punch to the, to the gut, but... Same thing if you raise your hand and you do anything these days and you're caught by an official, you're gone. Um, so it just, I think it just compounded the misery on Cork yesterday. So, so there's a similar team with these both these matches. You know, Galloway obviously took to half time to collapse. Cork took to the first water break to collapse. Now, how can you go for, for being so good for 18 minutes? Like, I mean, they were really good. And I, if I was doing live COCOM on that game, I'm glad I wasn't because I would say Carrier don't look at it at all today. Yeah. Cork look up for it. Carrier very wasteful. And, you know, this could, we could have a real game on our hands here. That's exactly what it was going on in my head. You know, thankfully you're just Sell the farm it. after 18 minutes. <laughs> so, like, I mean, that's what it looked like though, yeah. right? It looked like we had a right game on our hands here. And it was the scores that Cork were getting. It yeah. was the movement. It was the pace and enthusiasm that they had in their play. Um, it was great to see. But to me, that just strikes me of... I don't know how much they genuinely believed they were going to do it. It was once Kerry started to get a bit of a foothold, whenever things were going well and Cork started, you know, like a freight train, I suppose the narrative was this is going to be Kerry's game and Cork for so long you can use, you know, well, we'll prove them, we could do it last year, we could beat them at underage, you know, we can do this. That wears off a bit and once the tide started to turn slightly, the floodgates opened completely on them. Um, So that tells me Deep down, I don't know how much the self-belief was there that we're going to hang into this game. We're going to chip over a few frees. You know, we're going to create a few simple scoring opportunities. We're going to do what it takes to get the half time now and we'll regroup and we'll come again at the start of the second half. It was just a complete collapse. Uh, one six in 18 minutes, like I said, quality scores causing all sorts of problems to, to carry all over the place from, from midfield forward um, but yeah Ronan McCarthy I'm sure he, he was scratching his head even with him half time come round yeah. I'd say he couldn't believe what was just after happening given how well they had started um, but I suppose th- their biggest issue was always going to be racking up enough scores that was going to beat Kerry um, if it went went to a shootout. And as Kerry started to turn the gears, uh, they ended up, I think it was about 110 even just by, by half time, um, where at one stage there were five points down coming into that first yeah. water break. Um, do you know, so it, it just was it was a huge momentum swing for them. Like. Talk talk about your start though, because like they were giving some lovely balls into Hurley. Hurley was cleaning uh, Foley out of it. Uh, Foley's not the worst man marker, but he's not a natural man marker. He's a you know probably played full back a lot at 
minor and he's a very fast player, but probably not your sticky, you know, I love this kind of thing. Yeah. More of a kind of a, you know, able to play football. Like, I mean, I mean, Brian Hartnett got a, a point then, which was just a real running point. And they were running through them. They were kicking the game. And it's like Brian Hurley's um, goal came from two kick passes, a turnover um, on Paul Murphy, Paul Murphy yeah. straight down the field. And this is an example of any team that plays Kerry. And I think any team... At the moment, because they're attacking with so many players, full-time sweepers are gone. You know, you're getting somebody back into position. But if you have a slow build-up, I say it on the show all the time, you're not getting one-on-ones. Your full forward line will thank you if you kick the ball more. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is a fact. And that goal, that goal proves it. The, the Guinea goal proves it. Paddy Clifford with a long one. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But, like, the Cork goal, and this is why when you see Dublin playing Kerry, they move it down so fast. You see a great open game with with what with you know one on one jewels at the other end, and you wonder how does that happen? It's because they get the ball down the field faster than the retreating players. I think that the court goal is one of the things that just like you, I got myself a wee bit carried away because we tend to see a running game from them, um, but they did move it through the boot at that stage. Like they had a, a huge amount of players that had all tracked back because it was a lot of carry defenders who were carrying the ball that stage. It was Paul Murphy on the opposite twenty-one. It was Mike Breen who had passed him the ball. Do you know, so a lot of court players were back, but they didn't get the running game going. They let it go through the foot, um, and obviously Hurley took his man on, finished it really well. Um, but as good as a goal it was for Cork, I think it could be one of the best learning experiences that Kerry have got. You know, the 422 that they scored yesterday, that's what we would expect. The goal that they conceded, I think they can learn so much from that there and I think they're going to have to um, because Paul Murphy was named the centre-half back. It was him that lost the play. But it, if you think back to your your attacking centre half backs in your old fashioned sense, so your Keith Bars, Glenn Rains, or whatever, as soon as they drive up the field, a midfielder comes and sits in centre half back and covers him. He's not a sweeper; he's just playing centre half back because your yeah. centre half back's gone up the field. Jason Foley shouldn't have got burnt on the end lane because the end lane's another defender. All he has to do is show him over the end lane or get goal side where he turns him back and gives away a point. Worst case scenario. But um, he got beaten on his inside. He did. Now Hurley had cut inside for a point, so unless he was worried about that, and he just got to step on him. But give away the point. Yeah. Don't give away a goal. Um, like, do you think Johnny Cooper's letting him cut in along that end lane? You know, he's pulling him down or he's turning him back to tap the ball over the bar. But where I think the big learning, well, obviously a video analysis will show Jason Foley use the end lane. You know, show him down. Give away the point if we have to. Don't give away a goal. But Jack Barry had actually got himself to set the half back at that stage. But just a bit like we spoke about Paddy Durkin earlier he's too slow to see the danger he's too slow to get across and, and double team and try and help Jason Foley uh, and that's something that they can really improve him like even Brian he could have cut across because I think it was Michael Hurley was in the far corner again if Brian Hurley passes the ball across to him he's just tapping it over the bar it's not a goal that you're giving away so that's very disappointing from a carry perspective but a great lesson to learn where it didn't cost them dearly um, so Cork I think might have done them another favour in that regard whenever we're looking at the bigger picture down the lane here Yeah no definitely and then obviously the, the Sean O'Shea goal was from a very similar thing Powder ran up got dispossessed yeah. now you have a turnover how quickly can you get that turnover ball down into the forwards it was a quick free to Paddy Clifford a beautiful outside of the right Sean O'Shea completely free why was he completely free he cheated now he didn't follow Powder right so he just cheated and we say this on the show so many times why don't you just cheat the odd time you don't always, a lot of these runs forward are to drag you with them 
right? So you must have enough players back there, um, you know, to, put, to, to, to look after that. And don't, you don't have to cheat every time. That would be lazy, like work. Yeah. But take a chance the odd time. That's, I, I know from being wing back loads of times and the forwards have cheated on me and it's worked out against me and now I'm straight away I'm under pressure. You know, I, I don't like it. You know, you, you, you're rattled by it. I'm fairly certain that was something that was well and truly spoke about in the Kerry camp because the talk was how Powder had got the better of him last year. Powder knew his game inside out from playing one of the UCC the one thing we know about Sean O'Shea is like he, he's up there he's, he's your best Santa half forward in the country um, he doesn't shirk work rate or no. responsibility he's not afraid of that he will do it but for me that was perfection just the odd team just gamble just say do you know what someone else keep an eye on him pick him up but as soon as we get this turnover Get that ball I'm straight. Free. <laughs> get that ball straight to me, and I'll not be too long making sure Powder doesn't run off the field. Like if you're saying in a foot race of a sprint, who's going to win all day long between Sean O'Shea and Powder? It's Powder. But Sean O'Shea is thinking, right? Well, what have I got? What can I do that's going to put him in the back foot? How can I make him think? How can I impose my game on him? I'll cheat the odd time, and as soon as we get a turnover, ping the ball up to me, and I'll do the rest. I'll make sure we get a score. Yeah. And I was exactly delighted to happened. see it. Uh, I was delighted to see it. Yeah, honestly, not n- not if you're attacking wing half back. <laughs> well, you see, I was a forward too, so yeah. like I liked the odd sheet from the other way around as well. But the Sean O'Shea, just on Sean O'Shea, his goal, right? It was a terrible loopy pass from from Paddy Clifford. But we saw in the Donegal Derry game, Benny Heron missing an easier chance than that, putting yeah. it off the post. O'Shea got up really highly and didn't try to bat it in. Just just cushioned it yeah. to get like th- that looked easy. But when you think to Benny Heron's one. That's not as easy as Sean O'Shea made it look. No, it wasn't. It was a good finish. And as soon as I seen it looping up, I thought it's actually, it's going over his head or yeah. he's going to flick it over the bar. There's no way he's getting it in, but he does really well to finish it. But it was just his drive. He was getting in there again. At that stage, the game was over. Sean O'Shea was making sure that game was over. Do you know, he yeah. was laying down the message for, for last November, for the weeks that's coming ahead we're here we mean business this year um, and again another, another massively impressive performance from him um, he's just he's someone that I think as neutrals you know you couldn't you couldn't get sick of looking at him uh, in action so um, yeah t- top class performance and someone that really has the whole carry team revolving nearly around him at this stage yeah yeah he's absolutely outstanding Mark White came on at half time right and this wasn't picked up in the commentary that I heard anyways apparently Michal Martin was injured which I wa- wasn't sure because I was going to start giving up, giving out about this that Michal Martin was going along with all his kickouts, and we spoke last Friday. That's the, the sensible thing to do against Kerry, especially with their incredibly aggressive press. Now they can't get that ag- aggressive press on every time, so there are short kickout opportunities. Michal Martin didn't take any of them; just got it out long. I've no problem with that. Kerry probably, you know, got to, grip, to grips with them and started doing really well on them. And you know, I think the stat um, I was reading what they scored two four from Cork's kickouts. Now. You know, they're kickouts to midfield, right? So sometimes you see they, they scored that after kickouts and that's the goalkeeper's fault. Like, how can you not say that was Ian Maguire or Hartnett or whoever's out there? That, that's not the kickout's fault because he's got, a, he's got a, an instruction from the management team to kick it out that side, that side or down the middle. That's not the goalkeeper's fault if you're losing those kickouts. That's the midfielder half forwards like that they can't do what Mayo did and swarm an area and have a plan around that, right? If you're going long... Ideally, number one, Ian McGuire catches the ball, you build your platform from that. But if he doesn't, the first man is... Like, 
that's your kick out. You know where it's going. Yeah. Like everything is a signal. The keepers make an eye contact. You know the area the field that's going into. So modern day football, you're sent to half back and wing half back and that side. You're sent to half forward and wing half forward. They're crashing that break ball. To, so you want McGuire to catch it. You want us to pick up the break ball if we're the, the players is coming in. Or worst case scenario, it's a car crash. Somebody's getting hit somewhere to try and dislodge the ball again, to slow up play, to make sure that you're giving your team enough time to get our shape again defensively. Um, so I, I, you can't put that blame on a goalkeeper no. because at the end of the day, his job... It's turned the, into it though, isn't it? But yeah, but it Restarts it, it, now yeah. and it's all the goalie's fault if he can't find the man. If he's told where to put the ball out, he puts it to that area. As an outfield player, that's where you have to accept responsibility. I know myself, if the ball's dropping over my head to the right half-back position and I'm playing at five and then my man's winning the ball. Well, that's my fault. That's my job is to be at the foot of my midfielders and they'll be letting me know it's a break ball. It's nothing to do with the goalkeeper. He's done his job. It's up to us to know. You can't put everything on a plate. This is championship football. This is provincial titles that you're playing for or All-Ireland titles. You have to put your body on the lane and get in there. And like I said, worst case scenario, if you don't win it, disrupt them, hold them up, slow them up as much as possible to make sure that defensively you're in good shape, push them back slightly to make them maybe come down the opposite side of the field. But no, it's, it's not going a black mark against a goalkeeper. Once it goes out the field, it's all the play for in terms of your outfield uh, positions. On, on Michal Martin going long nearly all the time, like I mean, there is a point where Kerry won the second quarter 1-8-2. to two. There's a point in that here now where he should lose a contact or do some sort of, you know, we saw none of that from Cork. Like, they were slipping away from them here, you yeah. know, like, and they were slow to identify that. So then they go into halftime, 1-5 up, 1-8 to 2 points with nothing really, you know, I call it cynical or whatever you want. 3-3 three, three to no score, nothing. Yeah. He didn't even get a bit of a, I don't know, even get a bit of a row going maybe or, or just break up the play, stop the play, do something to, to, to um, I don't know, knock this momentum off its stride I, I think there's a there's a confidence that comes with feeling you can do that um, and I, I think that's big game experience and I don't know whether that Cork team have it because they haven't been competing at the top level they're, they're not operating a, like at Division 1 it's been a while since they're operating at Division 1 um, it's a while since they've been operating your All-Ireland semi-finals and finals so um, granted they're doing well at underage your minors 20s and that there they don't have the big game experience where you can say yeah. ah, we can just slow this game down we can play this at our pace and you know I think even if you just turn it back to the Munster final last year where Tipperary were bringing really you know obviously a bit of quality inside with Quinlevin and, and Sweeney and that but it's not a fire and brimstone stuff it was getting in your face as it was physical contact um, they couldn't they couldn't turn it at that stage so it's game management is one key area that, that they really fell down on um, and I'd be very surprised if it's something that they didn't communicate or plan for because generally everybody does you, know, you have to have a get out kick out you have to yeah. whenever we're, we've conceded a goal a couple of points if the game's running away from us there has to be one kick out where we just need to get this and it's a set play from your kick out to full forward where everybody's involved in it because there's no point in working this kick out whether it's a short one and where do we go to next and everything's off the cuff because that that's not really solving the problem um, so I'd be very surprised if they didn't have uh, something it 
turns out well it looked like they didn't yesterday um, but just sometimes it's very hard to have that composure to go and execute it's alright working it and walking through and training but doing it in the white heat of championship football in Killarney whenever a game's running away from you it is a different story granted um, but you have to have a get out of clause kick out where everybody's in sync where we just get a score the other on the field just to give us a breather get the ball down that end camp up that half for a couple of minutes um, to give our defence a bit of breather and get a bit of shape back into the game Yeah it seemed to be that way like I mean it's, ha- it's hard to know where Cork go from here really like I mean it's a terrible hammering uh, Ronan McCarthy said after the match he said like they were kind of a bit betwixt and between he said you go defensive and keep the score down at that stage or do you keep going for it and leave yourself open and I can feel some sympathy for that like I mean you know the game was over after the first Kerry goal in the second half and then it turned embarrassing like I mean do you go with like Tipperary and go with two sweepers and just try to keep the score down would Cork people accept that is that better than a terrible hammering you know a lot of this is hindsight stuff but like a hammering like that doesn't doesn't help that team at all it doesn't but I think stop the video analysis at half time I think the biggest learnings that they can make is from the 18th minute to to half time I think they showed enough in the first 18 minutes to show that they have raw tools that they can trouble carry or the likes of carry for a period of time it's the game management in between how did we go from scoring 1-6 to scoring 2 points we'll say even if we just talk about a point for the rest of the half like what went so badly wrong there's so many learnings that they can take from from that period of the game in terms of whether it was slowing it down um, whether in terms of is their own kickouts whether it's you know, just sucking more men out to the middle of the field where you're making it more of a battle just for 5 or 10 minutes to yeah. just to just give yourself a bit of respite nearly um, That that's for me he said once the goal went in the second half game's over it's completely gone but it, that it, from the 18th minute on to, to half time if I'm Ronan McCarthy I'm sitting and I'm going over that and over that and over that and saying how can we stop this from happening again you know that we can take a game to, to half time or beyond because the self-belief was completely gone of the, I don't think no matter what he said at half time it was gone yeah. the, the, the game was over from them at that stage so it was the damage that was done in that second quarter um, that they really need to, to build on and improve it I think that's it and I think when you have Kerry in their flow maybe even the first 10 minutes of the second half do something potentially different you know to knock that flow and maybe yeah. have Kerry at the first water break going well they're, out, they're, they're uh, now putting two loads you know and they'll try and figure that out and then maybe go you know go back or I didn't see anything like that I thought Luke Connolly was terrible uh, yesterday he scored a great point but it like he had it in his head that I have to give a kick pass here he had one point on and he gave a dreadful he gave two balls over the end line for passes one off the outside then one with his left like a kick across to Brian Hurley. There was a point off your left there completely. It's like he had it in his head. I'm the playmaker and I'm I'm giving a kick pass no matter what. Yeah, to me, he can execute them passes out the field, but to me, he's a sharpshooter. He's more more dangerous around goal where he's just getting a shot turning or getting the ball turning having a shot um, because his work rate or his physicality isn't suited for what's happening out the field Um, you know he he can be too much um, of a liability nearly in terms of his man could have free run of the game Um, so for me 
if that's where he was told to play, which obviously you have to assume it is, um, he's in the wrong area of the field that's See, the f- problem f- for, for his skill yeah, set. But they've no kick passers. So he's out there for a reason because they feckin' don't. Maguire, Hartnett won't kick pass. Well, Mark Collins is an awful miss of him in he's that regard because he's a link player and he's a terrific passer well, He's a of the footballer, ball. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a, a terrific footballer. passer of the ball. You look, at, look at their player, look at their half-back line. Like, Powter's not going to kick pass. Yeah. Maddie Taylor's not going to kick pass. Kylie, to be fair, the new, or the, the new lad, uh, Keane Ke- Kylie, Kylie yeah. he, he kicked one in the first half, good one off the outside of the left. But, like, I mean, you have Rory Dean's not noted for it. He's a runner. Like, Luke Connolly's out there yeah. to kick pass because they feck all else to be able to do it. Like, they need to find somebody. I, I'm looking at that Cork team and looking at these new players coming through. And they, to me, they look ordinary enough, Aaron. Like, they don't... Like, who's coming through off the, the under-20 team that you go, he looks a right bit of stuff now? They just seem to have an awful lot of the same type of players yeah. coming through where you're thinking back to your... Your strong runners. Sean me in the side now. Yeah, but you're thinking your Paddy Cassans, John Miskellas, these boys who are strong athletic runners from half back again. Granted, I suppose that Cork team, the one they all earned in 2000, and that's they were more running team, they weren't the kicking team, but they always had that option with the likes of your Paddy Kelly on your half forward lane that he was your outlet to win ball and give that nice um, ball to a forwards advantage on the inside lane. Uh, yeah. Mark Collins does give them that, um, granted, but. Mark Collins needs someone to give him the ball, um, you know, and that is definitely something that they do need to create because the way football is now, like you say, where you have 12, 13 people working up the field, you need to be able to bypass a lot of people from your own defence. Like, one good foot pass now, if you're being counter-attacked and you turn over, one foot pass, you could end up kicking the ball over maybe eight of your opponents. Yeah. And you're on the far 45 and it might be a two on two or a three on three situation. Um, it doesn't happen a huge amount of times, but you need someone who has the vision and the quality to execute that. Like, is there even a, like a situation where you have the 12 or 13 back or even 12 back and you have a forward up there and like there's a huge disconnect? even if you kick it over all those players and have someone turn around the other way and run onto it. Yeah, like, yeah. there's so much room for, aff- like, offensive kick passes, I think, and that's it. You're cutting out so many players because somebody has to sit down and think. The, the whole play is moving up and down the field like a game of basketball for a lot of the game. Yeah. A lot of it. A lot of the Mayo-Galway game was that. You know, Aidan O'Shea might have stretched it a bit when he went in full forward. But, like, I mean, that's how it's working. So what happens when nearly every player on the field is up in one end? There's loads of space to run into you know, coming out of that for a, a ball over the top maybe or something. Like, I mean, there's ways to think about stuff at, like this. this uh, we see something that's really come into the game is the, the double back on the inside lane where the ball's yeah. infested over the top. Similarly, all you're looking for is a 30, 40 metre foot pass just over uh, the sort of 45, 65 metre lane. To a Gavin White maybe exactly, who's taking a who's chance. just herring off at pace in, into, into open territory. Um, but it, again... That, that, that kicking game, if if and when it is on or if that's what your team wants, you always need somebody who's willing to hold, has the discipline to hold the half-hour yeah. lane. Because well, that's the ideal scenario. Now, I'm creating a situation where, feck it, you're trying to hold a lad and his man's gone up and he's yeah. sucked in and he's been trying to be honest. Like, you could do the cheat, like Sean yeah. O'Shea that. But if you don't do a, a cheat, there's a massive gap then to the one, maybe yeah. two forwards. Yeah, and again, that that's just where... It is. A, it's a good scenario we're talking about where 
you're not looking to go up the middle with it, but you're just looking someone who's breaking up the sideline, breaking to the wing, and you have someone who can just lift their head and show a wee bit of composure to know that they're not spooked by all the numbers that they see around them, and, and they have the ability to play a ball out into a pocket of space and and let whoever it is on, let them do their thing. Yeah, could be something in that performance of the weekend in this game. I think it's very easy. I'm sorry, Desi Dolan, but like I mean, it wasn't Sean O'Shea, even though Sean O'Shea was very good. Like it's not like that was a ridiculous kind of call because yeah. he he was very good. But Paddy Clifford was head and shoulders above everybody else. Jeez, he was involved in everything. Like this lad, he's just on an, gone to another level of a player now because this is a Munster final now. You know, it's his first year. You're looking at Clare. You're making excuses for that. Tipperary, things like this is Cork in a Munster final. And he destroyed Cork. And he was outstanding the whole way through the game. Even when Kerry weren't going well, he was setting up that goal for David. He got a point himself. You know, in the first quarter, he was going really well yeah. when it was a good contest. He's strong as a bull. Like he's strong as an ox. Like when you look at it, I compare him. He's got everything Stephen O'Brien has, and I rate Stephen O'Brien highly. Stephen O'Brien's downside is a bit like Kevin McManaman, plays with the head down, can't see a pass. He's everything Stephen O'Brien has. He can take you on, he's fast, he's strong as a bull. But he also lifts his head up and is an incredibly creative and a brilliant, brilliant kick passer. He, and he can kick points. He's, he's almost flawless. To me, what I feel he's given that carry, this new carry team the same sort of spike as Paul Galvin gave Kerry back in 04 um, and I know from, from reading his book like he was fairly pissed off saying Kerry lose against Armagh in 02 Tyrone in 03 Paddy Clifford's a, he's a, probably a similar type player and he's very very combative like you yeah. said he's, he's physically strong he's not shirking responsibility in terms of work rate he'll take contact if contact's there um, but he also has the scoring threat he has the passing threat he has the full package but he is playing like a man with a chip on his shoulder that I'd, I think a few things he's he's maybe a bit browned off over you know saying the Dubs movie goes so well and he wants to make a stamp in this team but I think he also looks like a man who's saying I should have been here earlier I should have been playing at the county football. Maybe someone didn't have the same belief on him. Um, maybe his game has developed hugely. But I, I'd be very surprised that someone is as good as he is if he wasn't close to it, you know, this past yeah. few years. Like even last year, he only came on at the very, very end of the game uh, against Cork. He it literally, from, the, from, yeah. the le- from the first league game this year, he has not dipped in performance at any stage against anyone and there's only so long you can keep saying it's only against such and such it's only the league it's only whoever it is in the championship it doesn't matter because he has to have the desire and the energy levels to go out and do what he does and then he has the class to pick off whether it's his scores or his passing and his vision and his willingness to back himself in terms of giving long ball inside for someone who is I know he's, he's older than David but inexperienced at that level yeah. um, absolutely class and has added something completely different to them he'd be a nightmare to mark now um, yeah. if you're if you're an attack minded wing half back he's just giving you a world of problems in dangerous scenarios yeah. that you can't really leave him like you'd be looking someone who's going to nearly mark you who's someone who's just going to run up and down the well, field he'll track you. you he's honest I, enough to track you he and then he'll come back he'd at you he'd torture you going the other way as well <laughs> do you know so, he's hard yeah. he's flawless the only thing I would, like I mean at the moment he's player of the year uh, candidate but we've seen Stephen O'Brien uh, two years ago was that until All-Ireland semi-final final um, we saw Jamie Brennan light it up in, in Ulster a good bit and then you know didn't kind of do it when he came down to Croke Park like yeah I just hope that when he gets up to Croke Park that he continues on that form you know because like he has act- added that extra dimension because you have to remember forget about last year's only one game the year before you're looking at a Spillane or an O'Connor playing that wing forward Gavin White in the All-Ireland final yeah. got destroyed by Jack, or by McCaffrey, Jack yeah. McCaffrey yeah. that was a problem 
position for Kerry in that they had five good forwards, but that they weren't sure what to do with that other one. Yeah. Now they have a Stephen O'Brien Mark II, which is a, a, a demon for work, loves to score, only he has an extra string to his bow than Stephen O'Brien, like I was saying. Yeah, like I, I would have felt, you know, at the start of the league this year, having obviously seen Paddy playing for East Kerry and that there, Killian Splann will be back in there. You know, they'll just go with their best out and out forwards. But it's clear what Peter Keane wants. He wants his workers uh, in those half forward roles. But last year he wanted workers that were coming back. Absolutely no danger to a scoreboard whatsoever um, in, in that court game last year. They're different now. They have the same work rate. Um, they have the same physicality. But yeah. they have somebody now who's going to punish you on the scoreboard or the quality of ball he's given to his inside forwards now is absolutely top class. Yeah. So to me, in terms of what your perfect mix is for, for a forward lane nowadays where you still have your, you'll have two half forwards and your two inside forwards and your two workers, they have the perfect blend at this stage. I suppose from because their uh, workers can score absolutely, but <laughs> as as neutrals, can they go to the next level? Do you know, winning another Munster title, they've lost count of them and carrying out this stage. It's it's stopping the dubs in their tracks. They're one step closer to that now to an All Ireland semi final. It's a daunting experience for whoever comes out of an Munster final. Um, but I suppose, like I said, as neutrals for the whole lot of us, it's exciting to see what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Shout out to Sean Meehan. We mentioned him at the at the top of the show. Like, I mean, he was very very good. Um, on David that's it Paddy Clifford he was interviewed after the game as well and he said he he admitted that he'd given up almost given up hope or he said he had given up hope that he wasn't getting on it and again you like you say you watch East Kerry and you're looking and going she's that lad how's he not able to get <laughs> and what? UCC I, I remember seeing him a few times UCC um, his games he was the same he, he was going well and he was a real abrasive type player yeah. um, you would have thought like how's he not even on the panel I know there's a abundance of talent there but he he's different than the rest of them. He he has a different narkiness to him. Uh, like say he's very very much. He just reminds me of of what Galvin was coming in. Yeah, uh, in but David's 04. narky too. Both the Cliffords they're narky. That's what I like about oh, both so of what? them. Let them out. Yeah, yeah. You, you need that. Uh, you have to be able to stand up for yourself yeah, these yeah. days. So uh, yeah, you, that that edge it's it's there. It's there in your top players. Your Michael Murphy's these players. They're they're fairly similar. Um, Con O'Callaghan's. You know they're abrasive players. They get punishment. They're used to getting punishment, but sometimes you have to dish it back out again. Yeah, no, they're well able to do that. Right, Aaron, we'll leave it there. That's uh, that's it for today. We'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview the other two provincial finals. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>